I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. You're listening to the Calm Mom Podcast. Michelle Grosser here. Welcome. I am so pumped you're listening to today's episode because it's one of my favorite conversations that we've had on the podcast thus far. My guest today is Christy Weepy. She's a psychotherapist. She specializes in the treatment of chronic pain, anxiety, and depression, and she's the founder of the Better Mind Center. She has worked to develop and research pain reprocessing therapy as a treatment modality, and she lectures everywhere on psychotherapeutic interventions to, to treat chronic pain, really in a cross-disciplinary way, right? The, the merger between our mental health and our physical health. So much of what we talk about here on the Calm Mom podcast. She's also a recovered chronic pain patient herself. And we talk about that in today's episode. We talk about her healing process and the way it so profoundly transformed the quality of her life. Um, so then she decided to turn around and make it her career to supporting other people 
through their their recovery journey also. So we talk about so many different things. Um, we talk about the difference between stress and distress and how to know when you're needing extra support. We talk about some of our different personality traits that might be a clue that we are dysregulated, especially when it comes to being a mom, how that can show up. And we talk a lot about chronic pain and illness and how it's tied to our nervous system and the regulation of our nervous system. So enjoy today's conversation with Christy. Christy, welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast. I'm so excited to have you with us today. Just welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great. We were talking a little bit before we hit record, just how our worlds professionally and probably personally too with two young kids overlap (laughs) in a lot of ways. So I'm excited to get into it. But before we kind of do, I would love for you to share a little bit about your story, the work that you're doing. I know you're a fellow mom. So that's always interesting to hear someone, you know, chasing big dreams and at home and at work. So let us know who are you? So my name is Christy. I am a psychotherapist. I specialize in the treatment of chronic pain and underlying associated anxiety and depression. And when I say chronic pain, we're specifically working with people who are suffering from what we call neuroplastic pain, which means by and large, there's nothing structurally or pathologically going on in the body, but rather the pain is at this point brain generated and coming from nervous system dysregulation. So I'm sure we'll get into that later. But when I say chronic pain, I mean pain that's coming from our anxiety, our mind-body connections talking to us. Yeah. And I got into this work because that was me, I didn't, it took me a very long time to recognize that that was what I was suffering from. But I had chronic pain for many years, probably five or six years total, but two years when I was in between undergrad and grad school that were quite disrupted by pain, like really interrupted. My quality of life was massively impacted. Multiple areas of my body were impacted. And it took me a long time to recognize this pain is correlated and in large part caused by anxiety and nervous system dysregulation. Like when you go to the doctor and you say, my neck hurts, Mm. it's not frequent that they'll say, and what's going on in your life? And how have you been treating yourself lately? And what kind of support Mm. systems are in place for you? And so it took years. But one thing I'm really grateful for, and this, of course, this is in large part luck. And I know not everyone is fortunate enough to say this, but I did have the separation between my chronic pain recovery and then starting motherhood. So I didn't have to do the, I didn't have to unwind those things at the same time. That is not to say I didn't have pain flares and anxious flares when I became a mom, but at least I was clued into knowing like, these are my signs that my stress level is getting high. These are my signs that I need to tune in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm happy to talk more about my kids. I love I love being a mom. It's the biggest challenge. So humbling for me to feel like, why well, don't know what I'm doing? Every single day is a new day. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Two of them. My daughter, Kala, is going to be four soon. And then my son, Kainoa, just turned one. I cannot believe. Wow. wow. Okay, so there's so much in that story that I want to unpack. The first is I know there are a lot of women listening who have probably experienced, you know, on the spectrum, some range of, of chronic pain. And I think sometimes you can show up and present these systems and it's a process of like either gaslighting or you're being told that you're, you know, you're within normal range or like whatever these things are that we're told that make us question like, am I crazy or is there something actually (laughs) wrong with me? And I just wonder if you experienced any of that 
and maybe some of how you had to do like just advocating for yourself and trusting what it is you were experiencing, even though maybe it took years for Mm -hmm. professionals to match you in that. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a great question. And it underlines such an important point. If you're Entry into the world of treating pain through a psychophysiologic lens is invalidate, invalidating or makes you feel, to your point, gaslit or undersupported. That message is not going to fall in your ear as well. It's not going to fall in your nervous system well. The reality is all pain comes from the brain. Like even if you stub your toe, the, the nerves in your toe, send a message up to your brain, but it's your brain that communicates a message of pain back down to your toe. So there's never an instance where you're experiencing pain where your brain isn't involved. And as it turns out, research is showing us that 80% of all chronic pain, 80% to most, the by and large, most chronic pain, and that can be neck pain, back pain, tinnitus, um, fibromyalgia symptoms, migraines, other symptoms like vertigo, or dizziness, like all kinds of chronic symptoms are brain generated. But if you have, again, if you have somebody saying like, maybe you're just too stressed out or sounds like you're exaggerating or "Hmm, your pain level doesn't seem to match what we're finding in your body. If the messaging is you sufferer are doing something to create this pain. And I have plenty of people reference that it's that elongates the journey to getting actual validating validating and supportive help because you're turned off by you're completely turned off from the idea because of the messaging yeah yeah it's tough it's tough and you're already obviously experiencing some level of dysregulation or anxiety anxiety whatever to begin with so it's like to add all of that on top it's really tough um you mentioned how you did have like a space between getting some of this stuff figured out and then coming into motherhood. But even in motherhood, you still notice these somatic cues, right, of dysregulation yeah. coming up or these flares. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how that seems to exhibit for you, because I think a lot of times we experience these things and we're like, but I got to make lunch and I got to go do this. and I gotta <laughs> do that. And It's like, we don't have time. Right. No. And it's like, no, like it, it, maybe your body's actually communicating to you which it always is, mm-hmm. right? That there's something going on here that's indicative of, you know, time to slow down, it's time to take better care mm-hmm. in this area, it's time to address something. Yeah, yes. Would it be helpful if I shared a little bit about what symptoms I was experiencing when it was at its worst? Let's do it. And then, yeah. I, can, then I can speak to the flare. So I tore my hamstring. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, it's like, I feel like I broke my butt because the hamstring muscle just ripped off my but basically, just what happens when you tear your hamstring? Were you wor- were you working out? out? What were you doing? I was working out, but not like some <laughs> super athlete. I just fell. I honestly, I just fell when I was working out, and I ripped the muscle. <laughs> How painful! Oh, it hurt so badly. That was my senior year of undergrad, and I was running anxious. Like I trended towards anxiety my whole life. I did not have language for that. Yeah, it would have been useful for someone to point that out at some point, but I was unaware. So I injured myself, structural injury. But what can happen with a structural injury if it, it if it occurs at a time of high stress, your body will eventually heal. Generally speaking, all injuries heal. But if your nervous system is on red alert and you have all of these fear pathways and stress pathways that have, first of all, 
are happening independent of the pain experience, but then also start happening on top of the pain experience. Is this hamstring pain ever going to heal? This is now getting in the way of my ability to, I was again, graduating from undergrad. It's hard for me to drive. Are people going to notice it in job interviews? I'm shifting around. So you have, it's a compounding of stress unrelated to the pain and stress related to the pain. And long story short, this can create a situation where your injury heals, but your pain does not. Your pain continues because it's now become brain generated. So I um, kind of entered the workforce with hamstring pain, but because my general way of handling anything that was going on in my body was like, well, push down on the gas pedal harder, like force everything it. you can to cover this up, white knuckly way through this entire experience. My body just kept raising the stake. So that started with an injury. But another way neuroplastic pain develops is just spontaneous onset due to the amount of stress that you're experiencing. So I started developing wrist pain and both hands. That's a clue that your brain might be involved in the experience bilateral pain because your arms, your limbs develop independently from each other. But like one day I woke up and I had pain on both sides of my wrist. And then I developed neck pain, migraines. And through all of this, I'm continuing to work. I'm applying to grad school. I want to be a therapist. Like, again, like this, this would, in retrospect, have been the time to like, take a pause, go to a lot of therapy myself, get a little bit. But no, I was white knuckling my way through. Yeah. And it finally got to a point where my body had raised the stakes enough that I was getting daily bouts of vertigo and dizziness. Wow. Once you're there, it's you're, my body was doing me a favor. I could I could no longer continue because I couldn't drive because it was actually dangerous to drive from the just from the dizziness alone. Wow. I finally got the help that I needed, but my body like went up, just kept making things harder and harder. Now, because I know like these are all the different places on my body and I still experience all of those. I still experience wrist pain. I still experience neck pain, not chronically, but my body will let me know what's going on. My first sign though is always neck pain. So this definitely happened entering motherhood. And honestly, it it still happens at least once or twice a month. My neck pain will come on. I don't have a fear response when it comes on anymore. I know what it is. I know there's nothing wrong with my neck. I know that it's a stress response. And at this point, it honestly feels helpful because at least there's one piece of my brain that's protective enough to kind of tap me on the shoulder, tap me on the neck, I should say. Like, hey, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're entering that state of dysregulation. Wow. Yeah. So when you talk about you're finally at a place where you're able to get help, what did that look Mm -hmm. like for you? So this was one of the most serendipitous things that has ever happened to me and for me, and I will forever be grateful. I went to grad school at the University of Southern California, and one of my professors, who became a friend, founded a center that specifically treats neuroplastic pain. And he (laughs) countered me walking, like literally we physically ran into each other, and he took one look at me, and I had... um like a hot, one of those portable heating pads on my neck. And this is during the time where everything hurt. Uh, I had a portable heating pad around my neck. I had two wrist braces on. Um, I was carrying this little butt pillow because my oh, 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 it hurts about it. I had to put it under my, my seat. And I also, oh, and I had knee pain at that time. That's another one that I forgot to mention. I had two knee braces on. The bilateral thing happened on my legs. I looked like a bionic woman. 
And he looked at me and knowing what he knows, it's it's far more like in, independent of a pathological problem, right? If you have a pathological disease state, it can impact a lot of parts of your body. I didn't. I had been cleared of any uh, any pathological diseases. He looked at me and was like, what's happening? <laughs> and once he developed enough rapport, he was like, hey, like, what's going on? You have a lot of braces on you. And he was the first one to suggest like, Maybe you don't have an independent problem with both of your, each of your knees, each of your wrists, your right. neck. Maybe there's like one thing kind of connecting all of it. Yeah. And I was able to actually end up working with him for my clinical internship, my second year of grad school at the Pain Psychology Center in Los Angeles. And there's a modality that he and I went on actually to develop and we still research it together um, called pain reprocessing therapy, where you there's two prongs to it. You work on under, first of all, understanding that the pain you're experiencing is non-dangerous. It's not indicative of a structural problem. So you can finally release any concerns that this is going to develop into something worse or that it's never going to go away. And you have, there's a lot of strategies to help you literally feel the sensation of pain and deactivate your nervous system at the same time. And then the other prong is, Hey, what got you into this situation? Like what about your way of being and relating to yourself and relating to the world around you is fear based enough that your body was kind of ready to give you pain in this way? Yeah. Wow. I want to hear a little bit about that because I think some of those practices, I'm assuming you had to change a lot about your way of being in order Mm -hmm. for this feeling to come through. Um, So I'd love for you to talk about that. And then also maybe I think there's people listening that are like, yeah, but this might take me like, I've been feeling like this for 20 years. Is it going to take me another 20 years to experience any sort of relief? Like how, Mm -hmm. how do the timetables kind of work there for people who've been experiencing pain and are like, okay, I'm ready to actually take a different approach. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. People do ask that a lot. Yeah. Especially if we're talking about chronic symptoms, they've probably been in it for years. There's a tremendous amount of relief for most people to get an accurate diagnosis, to be told, hey, again, the dizziness, back pain, neck pain, fibro, headaches, gut discomfort, IBS symptoms are not indicative of an injury, a disease state. You can rest that part of your mind that doesn't know what's going on and it's searching for other answers. This is coming from brain processes. It's real. It's not your fault. The brain is a part of your body. So it's still, <laughs> that's the thing that always blows my mind. It's another conversation for another day. Like, why are we even distinguishing this between physical health and mental? Your brain is a, it's inside <laughs> of your body. I just don't get this. <laughs> Whatever. Once you can get that supportive, validating care and an accurate diagnosis, there's so much relief in that. Yeah. That alone very often reduces the pain levels enough that someone feels really motivated and bought in. Like, whoa, I already noticed myself having less pain and I have barely even started the process of the actual therapy. Amazing. So that makes a really big difference. But to your point, like, yeah, it took me years to develop the way of relating to myself that was ratcheting up my nervous system to begin with. And we can call them personality traits. We can call them survival strategies because I learned them from somewhere. I don't think I came into this world being like, I want to be the type of person who puts a crap ton of pressure on myself. Like that would make my life great. So the way that I put pressure on myself, how perfectionistic, how much of a perfectionist I was, how much I criticized myself, how much I worried, like how much intensity I carried. I had to take a look at all of that. 
Is it really hard for you to relax if the house is a mess? Are you someone who cleans when you're stressed out? Maybe you're an overachiever. You tend to work a lot. You're always busy. Are you really responsible? Are you a rule follower? Maybe it makes you really uncomfortable when others don't follow the rules. How about detail? Do you have a good eye for it? Do you hate being late? You might have thought these were all just parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You've got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. And then over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we often think of as our personality is this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs, but rather they describe the safety strategies that you immediately go to when you start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who you are, but rather what is blocking who you are. The good news is that once you take the quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern and you can live and parent as your true and authentic self. So click on the link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz now to take my two minute personality pattern quiz. So I think there's a lot of people that you know, we have these things that we think are parts of our personality (laughs) and we don't realize Mm -hmm. how much they are coping strategies or defense mechanisms or whatever that we've picked up over time for a reason, right? For good reason. So you mentioned a few of them, but I wonder if you could touch on a few more of things that people come through and they're like, oh, this is just how I am. Like, I'm just perfectionist, I'm just a high achiever or I'm just, and it's like, Yes, and and, and also <laughs> like let's let's pause and ask: Is that actually serving you now? Right? Is it serving you well? Yeah, yeah, yes. That's a really freeing question. Uh, yes, I'm happy to talk more about the personality traits. And this was one of the indicators for me when I first got introduced to the world of mind body medicine and neuroplastic pain. When I read this list, mm. I was like, Oh my god, how did they get inside of, you know, me. of my mind <laughs> and then write everything down? <laughs> so let me run through some of them. And then maybe we could talk a little bit about why this is not random, right? It's not random that that we are, whether we share all of this. So being a perfectionist, putting a lot of pressure on yourself, being a high achiever, like you said, often criticizing yourself, worrying, spending a lot of time with decisions and having trouble with them, agonizing over what's the next right step. Also being the type of person who gives away or gives out as opposed to checking in. So having difficulty setting boundaries, tending to hold your feelings in, being a people pleaser, over-functioning. I've not actually heard that phrase. I love that. Oh my God, I'm pocketing that. Over-functioning. I did not make that (laughs) Well, I'm crediting it to you for the rest of my days. Mm -hmm. Over-functioning. Being a yes person, a people pleaser. Not having any checkpoints in place to check in with yourself before you sign up for the next whatever. Mm-hmm. The next time you're going to pick someone up from the airport at 3 a.m. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. The next time you're going to add in a volunteer opportunity. Yeah, sure, I'll do that. that sort of go, How about, go, go um, intensity. Someone who's strong or like not, I'm not an emotional woman or like, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Talk about tension in your body. Like emotions are happening. They're here, whether we want to deal with them or not. Yeah, I can like, I can, I'm the same way. I can relate to all of those. Um, mm-hmm. And I, when I really started doing a lot of this work and diving more into it, that was a huge revelation for me was like, I had always, I'd always been a very like, so comfortable in my head, right? Like I went to law school and all these different things. And like, I, pr- I literally prided myself as like, I've never cried watching a movie or like, I was like, oh. yeah. And I was like, I thought that was, I had my, my paradigms around what was like weak and strong and what was whatever, like mm-hmm. were so twisted. And I was like, I'm not, I don't know why, like for some reason it was like super weak to have emotions or like I was fearful of being one of those Aww. like women who were dramatic. Or, I don't know what it was. Yeah, yeah, but then, yeah. Like, so I to have to rediscover that in my thirties, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and really allow myself to change and flip all of that upside down. A lot of healing came from that, um, like releasing mm-hmm. or recognizing and then letting a lot of that stuff go that you just mentioned. And what we find is what or at least for me, I'll speak for myself. What I found was that so much of what I thought was my strengths <laughs> were actually holding me back in so many ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, professionally, all the ways. Yeah. It's powerful to hear you talk about it looking back because it sounds simple. It just clicks like, well, that makes sense. If we're, when we're afraid, think about climbing a ladder, like when we're afraid, do you think, are we going to climb further with our fear? Are we going to climb further if we climb with confidence? Like fear generally does hold us back. But man, is that hard to tap into when you are in it, like when you're in the rush and you're in the intensity. I held on to it for a while. Like, no, I got to this point in my life because of my perfectionistic tendencies because I push what am I get without those the wheels are am I going to succeed yeah Yeah. oh yeah (laughs) I would even like picture it like you picture one of those um what was that like game we played as a kid that oh Oregon Trail you know oh my god (laughs) you know it's like Love you know those like right buggies now. that were like I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> yeah. I would like picture it going through like the desert and the wheels just like flying off, and I'm like, I had this mis- vision that like if I slow down, if I don't make sure every T is crossed and every I is done, mm-hmm. I don't ach- whatever it was like the wheels are gonna fly off, and I'm just gonna be this yep. like rambly mess. Yeah. yeah, thank God for right. growth. <laughs> right, absolutely. I completely relate to that, and I relate to the. Although I've always been an outwardly emotional person, mm-hmm. that how we handle emotions, it can, the spectrum can look so wide and there can be dysfunction across the board. Like if we have someone like yourself who related more strongly to pushing emotions down, yeah. you can have someone whose emotions are kind of coming out all over the place right. and there can still be discomfort and dysregulation in that as well. So there's, I mean, the journey of, experiencing emotions is safe in our body generally speaking i I think everyone on this planet needs some degree of support around that agreed and i wonder i don't even know if it's like a question around the field that you that you um have studied but can you talk a little bit about the connection between like why what is the energy and emotions that can actually lead to dysregulation because i think for a lot of people it's hard for them to understand the connection between the two yes yeah, I love this question. So emotions, and you could ask a hundred, you could ask anyone this and probably get a different answer. So I will qualify this, but this is my take. Emotions are called emotions for a reason. They're, they're feelings, right? So we feel them physically in our body. You might feel sadness as a heaviness 
behind your eyes. You might feel anger as like heat rushing down your arms. You might feel um, dread as a pit in your stomach. But you, if you have the awareness and the space, and this is something that's been made safe for you, emotions are felt physically in the body. And generally speaking, they're intense. It's not necessarily like they're frequently, it feels like a warm hug around my neck. They feel intense. Yeah. And our natural human response to any type of discomfort in our body is to want to escape and avoid it. This is how there's such an overlap between emotional avoidance and pain because our response to physical pain sensations or physical anxiety sensations in our body, we can say, I have neck pain. Mm -hmm. If it's neuroplastic in nature, there's a strong correlate between someone who says, I have anxiety and it shows up as a tightness in my chest. Yeah. Or I have, all of these things become connected pain, anxiety, and emotions when you recognize they're all felt as uncomfortable sensations in the body. Mm -hmm. And the more that we avoid them, whichever one, so let's focus on emotions, the more that you avoid them, the more that your brain learns to chronically avoid them. The more that your brain pushes those emotions down without you even recognizing that they've ever come online. And then you're creating a situation where your body is in a constant state of avoidance because emotions want to be felt and your brain is doing everything it can to fight back against them. And that constant emotional avoidance creates more anxiety or creates more pain. So it's all wrapped up with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then we become just so patterned that that's what happens, right? Like we... Either we yeah. notice it or we don't even get to that point before it's just so quickly repressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you hear, we hear this term sometimes that like trauma or life experiences are stored in our body or can be stored mm-hmm. in our body. What's your take on that? And like, how do you explain that to people who are curious? Something traumatic happened to me, whatever, 15 years ago. How does my body remember that? Or how does that get like, quote unquote, stored in my body? Yeah. First of all, going through any kind of fear-inducing event or going through any amount of trauma is going to put your nervous system in a state where you're way more likely to experience chronic levels of anxiety or pain. So in some ways, when we say trauma affects the body or is stored in the body, we mean from that point onwards, particularly if it's compounded with other events or with kind of a family dynamic where there's fear involved your body is going to forever hold the consequence of that trauma. Again, until you can get support, there's always room to shift this, but your body starts experiencing higher levels of anxiety and pain. Um, And there's also this really uh, fascinating phenomenon that happens that I'm sure someone who specifies that um, specializes in trauma could speak more to the science behind this. But we see when people get with the right support or they're going through therapy or whatever program they're in to start, um, approaching their trauma to start processing that, yeah. that they can have these moments w- during that kind of acute process where their body will start talking to them really intensely. Yeah. Um, so they can experience a new onset of a symptom while they're experiencing the trauma and then it kind of releases. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the practices maybe that you have had in place um maybe things that you're aware of maybe when you do feel that like little thing on your shoulder or your neck um creeping in like how Mm -hmm. is it that you actually go about changing your way of being or getting back to some routines or rhythms or practices or things that you find to be helpful yeah okay so i'll touch briefly on each of the points that i referenced a while ago around 
what even is pain reprocessing therapy? And I said, there's kind of two prongs. You have to take a look at the way you're responding to the symptom itself. And then you have to take a look at the way you're responding to your life. Yes. <laughs> <put it> <laughs> so, in terms of responding to the symptom itself, your instinct is going to be, I want to avoid this pain. I want to get rid of it. I want to put an ice pack on it. I want to take medication. Mm-hmm. I want to go get a massage. I mean, all of those are by and large healthy coping strategies. So we don't need to make anyone feel any which way if they're using them. Mm-hmm. But they're also short term. First of all, they're short term relief strategies. If it's especially if it's neuroplastic in nature, there's a way for you to get to the bottom of it. So you don't need to use them long term. Yep. And secondly, they're avoidance strategies. You are doing something to try to just make the pain go away. Yep. So the more that you're able to turn towards the sensation, to gently notice the sensation, it's way easier said than done, obviously, because like everything in your body is like, run, don't go there. Even if you know it's neuroplastic in nature, like I will still get this experience now where I'll feel my pain and I'll try to close my eyes and take some breaths and allow myself to explore the sensation and I'm better at it over time, obviously, but there's still this initial reaction of like, no, don't focus on this. So it is a practice of turning towards the sensation and allowing yourself to feel it safely. And then in terms of the also changing the way you're relating to anything else where fear exists, for me, and this is definitely different for everyone, when my neck pain pops up, my first thought is I'm pushing myself too hard. I'm taking on too much. Mm-hmm. My pace picks up if I don't like my natural metronome is is too fast. It's over functioning. I, I <laughs> there's this really cool new word. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about it. Over functioning. My metronome is doing that kind of naturally. It wants to gravitate towards that state. So my neck pain mm-hmm. often is an indication like, hey, you're you're taking on too much. You're yeah. moving too fast. You're jamming your day. And I need to create some space and also like move through the things on my plate with a little more relax relaxation and not and chill, honestly. Like I, I need to lower the space. Yeah. Set some good boundaries. Mm-hmm. Back to that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the connection between our nervous system and our immune system and our nervous system and our gut, I guess? Because I think yeah. a lot of people are curious about that connection and how regulating their nervous system might then also help them build immunity or, or Mm -hmm. experience health, healthier gut. Yeah. So our nervous system is our body's way of warning us, right? Like there's a system in place to let us know, Hey, we think something's wrong. Anxiety is a way of your brain saying, Hey, I think something's wrong. Pain is your brain's way of saying, Hey, I think something's wrong. In the absence of real physical threat, in the absence of a tiger chasing you, mm-hmm. generally speaking, those are psychological, emotional threats that your brain doesn't have a way of distinguishing the difference between that and a tiger, right? So we're flooded with all these stress hormones. If that happens now and again, or if it happens in response to a specific stressor, generally speaking, our bodies are able to come back to a state of homeostasis and we might not experience any kind of long-term immune effects. But if we're chronically in that state of nervous system dysregulation, what even is homeostasis? Like, what's our baseline? Our baseline is threat state. And the same way that our nervous system can stay in that chronic threat state, our immune system can enter into a chronic threat state. And you can think of it like the volume knob on on a healthy system is blasting at an uncomfortable level. And this is where a lot of gut stuff comes into play. 
like um, bloating or other stomach issues, like people who uh, have constipation or people with uh, diarrhea or IBS-like symptoms, there might not be anything like fundamentally wrong with your gut. You're not getting a diagnosis of Crohn's disease or colitis or IBD having these very real symptoms, yeah. it's like your gut, you, 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 the, the, all of its functions are turned on red alert. And mm-hmm. think about your own self. If you're functioning at a 10 out of 10 of anxiety, if it feels like you're holding a bomb and then you try to take a test, for example, right. you're, you're it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> the same thing is true of your gut. It's going to be a mess yeah. one way or another. The volume is up too high on what would otherwise be a functioning system that can cause all kinds of gut distress. Wow. How about, um, does that also relate to like food sensitivities or people who have like other auto, like autoimmune or celiac or something like that? Like, is that ever related to nervous system dysfunction or dysregulation? So if you have a, there, I think there is a case to be made for someone whose nervous system is functioning fine but who has like a very specific allergy, like someone with celiacs with a gluten intolerance, their body really has something pathologically going on. Yeah. That being said, food sensitivities are unfortunately like all the rage right now. There's so (laughs) much fear around food and we are susceptible. We are really, really susceptible. There's tons of evidence around this. There was, um, I don't know if it was in the eighties or nineties, but around that time period, the cover of Time magazine had an article about carpal tunnel. Okay. And then the following month, the incidences of reported Everyone carpal tunnel went up by like 400%. They not ever, people's wrists didn't all of a sudden just start break. It's not like mm-hmm. they actually started breaking down, but the fear of, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that could happen to my wrist for people who are already kind of running dysregulated allowed for that to be an entry point for their nervous system to start talking to them. So that happens a lot with food sensitivities. It's just a different iteration of the volume not being turned turned up too much. Like neck pain is for me, there's something wrong with the muscle in my neck. But again, my the my brain was processing the sensation of just my neck literally being held, the muscle of my neck working. My brain was processing that at a 10 out of 10. So it became pain. And the same can be true for any kind of food sensitivity. You eat a strawberry, but if you're, there's fear around it, oh my God, what if I wasn't supposed to eat that? Is there too much sugar in that? Am I going to have some weird reaction to that? Your brain will process just the normal function of digestion mm-hmm. in a funky way. So you'll experience what would be normally a healthy way of just eating mm-hmm. in, in, in a way that creates discomfort or pain. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I, um, in, it started in sixth grade. I had this like of, of all times, right? Like middle school is already so hard. Yeah. I had this out of nowhere one day. I had this um super nasty like rash all around my lips, like not on oh. them, but around them. Yeah. And it would get like blistery and then it would like ooze and crack. And it's like right on your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like my parents took me to all these doctors and never, like, I got creams. I got whatever never went away. Um, I went to college and I'm like, okay, I'm leaving my small town. Like there's gotta be better doctors here. Went to Chicago, saw all these doctors, no, again, a bunch of creams and stuff like change your, change your shampoo, change your toothpaste, all this different stuff. It never went away. I started getting serious about my emotions (laughs) and my nervous system. And in like a few months, it all cleared up this like five, six years or something and never came back. And I just like, yeah, it's fascinating. 
And I just, it's just, it's, it is fascinating. And it's also like, that's why I sit here behind this microphone and love having people like you on the show, because I want to just like proclaim to people how much power there is in healing their body um, without the medication or all of these other things that, you know, work when we need them. But like you're getting Mm -hmm. to it, there's so much beneath that, that we can just learn um, to be to be better yeah. and how we were actually designed to be and not be doing all the time. Such a shit. Yes. That is so wild that it just cleared up and never returned once you addressed all your own stuff. And also I'm having, the, I'm having such a weird when I, I had the same thing in second Stop. grade. I've never Stop. heard. And I would say I'll send you a picture, but I won't because I literally have thrown away every, every, my family always makes fun of me. Like, you're not going to find a picture of Christy when she's eight. She threw them all away because I had such an intense rash around my lip that nothing ha- And it was all it. It was so, so, so like, I was so self-conscious about it. Like Same I literally, thing. I, maybe if I dug, I could find, I promise you. I don't think I've I have never any found anyone else who's experienced that baby wow that's so funny i'm sure there's people listening who've experienced something similar you're not alone you're not alone (laughs) you're not alone oh man okay so for anyone listening who has experienced chronic pain who's super curious who's like noticing things now for the first time that they've just written off or thought were just normal or part of their being forever and they're like hey like this is actually a light bulb moment listening to this Mm -hmm. conversation where can they find you where can they learn yeah. more tell them about mm-hmm. what you've got going on so um we have a team my group is called the better mind center we're located in los angeles but we work with people all over the world one-on-one the treatment modality that we use for the most part is called pain reprocessing therapy there are other things that you pull in along the way a lot of it is education helping you understand what is go- helping you really break down why am i experiencing this pain and then working on cognitive, behavioral, and emotional ways of relating to yourself and the symptoms differently to break what we call the pain fear cycle. So you can find us at the Better Mind Center. And then I try to put a lot of stuff on my Instagram because I, I know not everyone, it's not within everyone's reach to have one-on-one services. So you can find me there or send me a message if you're like, I just need, um, I, I want to read a book or one, I can't afford one on or access one-on-one services right now. There's tons of recovery information out there and we want to make people we want to help people at least at a bare minimum understand what's going on in their bodies i love that what is um your favorite book in this area so maybe i could even link it in the show notes for people oh yeah yeah so my uh my professor turned friend turned colleague who collaborates on crt with me he wrote a book all about it that's designed for patients it's funny it's approachable it won't take you that long to read it's called the way out and i highly recommend it his name is alan gordon Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was awesome. I learned so much. And man, education and awareness really is, you know, the foundation to a lot of this stuff. So just thanks for being with us and sharing and educating us. And thanks for the work that you're doing. Appreciate you. Oh, yes. You're so awesome. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, It would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, they really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, 
Your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Oh,